Welcome to the crossings. You can be excited, it's okay. We take that. Uh, Landon. Where's Landon? Is he here? Oh, okay, there he is. I was going to say, I thought I saw him earlier. He's hard to miss. Big white guy with a beard? Who doesn't like big white guys with beards, right? Come on up here. Um, here you go. Guys, Landon made a decision to get baptized yesterday, so we want to recognize that. Uh, you can go ahead and sit down, buddy. Thank you. Glad you're here. Uh, and John Bama. John, come on. Uh, if you haven't met John, John also decided to get baptized this past week. Uh, so here you go. Thank you. Glad you're here, man. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's great to be part of a church where people are making commitments to follow the Lord. Now, uh, in some situations, you know, you can be trying to follow God for a while, and then somebody comes along and shows you something in the Bible, and you're just like, I didn't know it said that. Um, and so we, we encounter that sometimes, and so we have sometimes folks who have been following Jesus for a while, they just had never been baptized. Uh, and so when we start looking at the Bible and what it says about the importance of that, they're like, hey, let's get it done. So we had a couple of those this week we're happy about. Uh, and if you're visiting today, I want you to know you're in a church full of messed up, broken people. Um, if that doesn't make you feel at home, maybe you need to look in the mirror a little bit more or something, you know. I'm a messed up dude. Like when I go and look in the mirror in the morning, I'm like, hey. I need some help to get through the day today. Does anybody else feel that way? Is it just me? Okay. Um, so when I look at myself, I'm just like, I'm, I'm a big freaking mess, and I need help to get through today. Um, that's the kind of church that you're in. So if, if you are uh, the type of person, if you need a little help, welcome to the crossings. If you knew what the person next to you did, you'd probably scoot down a couple of seats. That's just the kind of church that we are. Uh, and that's exactly where I think God meets us, is when we can get in touch with our brokenness and how much we need him, um, he'll meet us there. Now, I want to read a story today uh, that's a parable. We're going to be looking at a parable of Jesus. We've been talking for the last several weeks about this concept of the kingdom of God. And we've been uh, in our series called To Be Continued, because we believe that as disciples, as Christians, our story and what we are carrying out here at the crossings is really just a continuation of the story we read, uh, read about in the Bible. We read about the figure Jesus. He came, came to town in the first century. He's, he's basically the king that was predicted to come all through the Bible. Uh, and he comes and fulfills that in a powerful way um, and then teaches us to kind of continue that ministry. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Mike, um, I would like you to read a passage for us to kind of get our minds right. Uh, if you don't mind, go ahead and read 1 Samuel 16, 7. Guys, this isn't on your notes. You do have some notes in your bulletin if you want to pull those out. That's going to have most of the scriptures we're going to look at. But this passage is going to help us get our mind right with what we're talking about today. So go ahead and read that for us, Mike. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Okay. Now, this is a passage that is uh, pretty much just talking about how God judges us. Uh, you guys, whenever you look at a person, you know, all we can see as human beings are in outward appearance. We can see their face. We can see what they look like. We can't really see the core makeup of who they are on the inside. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at us the way we might look at another human being. 
Uh, this passage here is spoken in the context of when Samuel is going to choose a king for Israel based on God's direction. And he goes uh, to the house of Jesse, and Jesse brings out all these big, strong boys who are candidates to become king. And Samuel looks at them, and, you know, here's a big, tall kid. He's handsome. He's strong. Here's another one. Here's another one. All the way down to uh, David. Guys, David was a shepherd boy. If it was an outward appearance thing as to who was going to be this king, it wasn't going to be David. But God is making the point here, whenever he looks at a person, guys, he doesn't look at the way we would look at them. He doesn't just look at outward appearance or outward things, guys. He looks at the core of who they are. And the parable that we're going to look at today uh, is about your heart. It's primarily about the core of who you are. Whenever you decide to follow Jesus, guys, a lot of people have a misconception out there about Christianity. They think Christianity is just about following rules. Has anybody else felt that way? Did you ever grow up thinking that way? Now, I did. Now, I grew up going to church. My dad was a preacher. I knew the rules. And for some reason, I adopted this mindset that going to church as a kid, I adopted this mindset that going to church was really just kind of about following the rules and learning what to do and what not to do and what to stay away from. And uh, it, that's pretty much it. What I have learned is that Christianity is not simply about following rules. Christianity is about relationship. Amen? It's about relationship with God. Here's how it works. When I say that I want to follow Jesus and I start trying to honor Jesus with my life, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not just concerned with following the rules. You want to know what Jesus is primarily concerned about as it relates to your life? He is concerned about transforming your character from the inside out. Let me say that again, just in case you didn't catch that. Jesus is primarily concerned with changing your character from the inside out. Your heart. Yes, there are going to be some external things that change. There's going to be some habits that change. There's going to be some ways of talking that change. There's going to be some, some things that are easily seen that change, right? But it's not just about the outward stuff. Jesus is primarily concerned with the contents of your heart. And this shows up throughout his teaching, right? Throughout his teaching. You want to know the, the bad guys in the story? If you read the stories about Jesus in the Bible, the bad guys are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, right? The teachers of the law, uh, who were focused on the external to the neglect of the internal. You want to know what Jesus called those guys? He said they were like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they look nice and pretty, but on the inside, they're full of dead men's bones. That doesn't honor God, right? The parable of the soils is primarily about who you are on the inside, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Just remember, though, God doesn't look at, he doesn't look at us like we do, like we look at people. He looks at the heart. Um, your heart, just so we're not ambiguous on that, when we say heart, uh, what I mean when I say heart, when God is concerned with your heart, your heart is who you are on the inside that nobody else can see, okay? That's your heart. The only other person 
that has any inkling of your heart, the contents of your heart, is God. That's it. You and God. Now, you can fake certain things on the outside. For instance, let's say, uh, can I pick on somebody? Who wants to get picked on? Okay, Brett wants to get picked on, okay? Let's say that I think Brett is a horrible human being, and I think Brett stinks, and I think Brett looks funny, and, and I just don't, he's agreeing with everything I'm saying. Um, I just really hate Brett, like in my heart of hearts, but Brett comes up to me and says, hey, Wes, do you want to be my friend? And I say, okay. And I start to hang out with Brett, right? And I go over to Brett's house. I still hate Brett. I'm just kind of putting up with Brett, right? Am I Brett's friend? Would Brett say that I'm his friend? Yes, he would. Why? Because I'm hanging out with him. I'm pretending. But am I really Brett's friend? No. Who would know whether I'm really Brett's friend or not? Me and God. Okay? That's it. You can fake externals. You can fake it. You can show up. You can change habits. You can go through the motions. You can create a religion of ceremony where you follow certain rituals and you, you honor certain rules without ever changing the contents of your heart, without ever really changing who you are on the inside. You see what I'm saying? Your heart, guys, is that inner conversation that you have where you know what you really think. And maybe others don't know if you're faking it, but guys, you do and God does. It's not behavior modification. God wants to change you from the inside out. And you can fake it, and it's not going to do any good. Faking it is not the same, right? And so we're going to dig into that a little bit today. The first blank on your notes, to be part of Jesus' kingdom, number one, I've got to have the right kind of heart. That's the first blank on your notes today. Um, the teaching that Jesus gives us is about the heart, and the parable of the soils is about different kinds of hearts. So I'm just going to start reading in Luke 8, starting in verse 4. So whenever Jesus tells a parable, guys, he tells a story. He wants you to get a picture in your head, and then he wants you to find yourself in the, in the story. So that's going to be our task today, is we're going to try to find ourselves in this parable of Jesus and make the right application, okay? So verse 4 says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. He said, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. That's the first portion of the explanation there at the end. That he's going to get into explaining the rest. Uh, and that's what we'll walk through today. Um, Notice, though, he says that in this parable, he says there's four soils. 
There's the soil represented by the path. There's the soil represented by the rocky soil. There's the thorny soil, and then there's the good soil. Each of those kinds of soils are different kinds of hearts. And he's going to get into breaking down what those look like in practical life. Notice, he says, that in this story, he's sharing the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. Did you notice that he said that? This is a kingdom of God parable. Do you guys remember what the phrase kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven means? Anybody? The royal reign of God, right? What does kingdom of God mean? The royal reign of God. So whenever I'm looking at this phrase where Jesus says, uh, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, I can think of that as the knowledge of the secrets of the royal reign of God has been given to you. Here's what God's reign looks like. Here's what it should look like, right? Um, the seed, he tells us, is the word of God. Now, I want to point out, and this is the next blank on your notes, right? The seed in this parable is the word of God sown indiscriminately. Notice that the, the guy who's sowing the seed here, <coughs> the sower is just tossing it. He's not judging what kind of soil is out there. Now, whenever we are sharing God's word with others, it's like we're sowing seed. God made you to be a light in the world. When you are that light in the world, when you're shining out, when you're sharing something about Jesus, when you're sharing your faith, when you're sharing a scripture, you're sowing seed. Your job and my job is not to look and judge what kind of heart somebody has as I'm sowing the seed. My job is just to sow the seed, right? You don't stop and say, is that good soil? Let me toss it. You know, you just sow the seed and, and the type of soil, the type of heart is going to be revealed by the way they, they act, right? by the way they respond. He's just tossing it out there. The soil, again, is different kinds of hearts. Different kinds of hearts. Different kinds of internal makeups of people. Different ways of having that internal conversation. Different ways of managing those thoughts that only God can see, along with you, right? Different kinds of hearts. Now, he's going to break down what each one of these kinds of hearts, the four that he mentioned, he's going to break down each one of them. The first one, he says in Luke 8, 12, those along the path, those are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved, right? This is the soil represented by the path, the kind of heart represented by the path. This is hard soil. That's the first kind of heart. Is your heart hard soil. What that means is, are, are you hard-hearted? Now, when we say hard-hearted, just a practical meaning of what that means as it relates to faith and as it relates to this parable, uh, this is the type of person who just does not care. And, and what I mean by that is if, uh, by the way, I've, I've been all four of these soils, okay? So as I'm saying this, if you hear me say something that sounds a little harsh or judgmental, understand I'm probably talking about me um, because I have been all of these, okay? So I'm not trying to come across that way. Um, when I was hard-hearted, uh, I really did not care about God. I had people that were reaching out to me. Uh, my family, you know, a large portion of my family are Christian. 
And so when I was struggling the hardest, which I was on drugs for many, many years, I was far from God for a long time. Um, my family continued to reach out to me during those kind of dark days, but I was hard hearted. And so whenever they would reach out, I just didn't even want to hear it. Right. Uh, I really struggled with whether there was a God or not. I intellectually struggled with agnosticism, but I didn't care enough to go investigate. You know, I was just happy not knowing. I, was, I, I didn't care enough to go and actually look at evidence because I was hard-hearted. So there were all these people that were tossing seed. Like they were just dumping it on me. Like they, were just, they just had a bucket and they were just dumping the seed on me. Right? But it doesn't matter how much seed you dump on a path when there's no penetration of the seed into the soil. And, and guys, here's the thing. This is not a victim, okay? If, if you're one of these types of soils, the only person who has say over what type of heart you have is guess, guess who? It's you. God doesn't make the choice for you. He didn't make you to be a little robot. And as we're reading this, guys, remember, Jesus is pictured as the creator of the universe in the Bible. He's not just a spiritual teacher. We're not reading Tony Robbins. This is somebody who has authority to say, here's how the world works, because he created it. He's the designer of it. So when he's saying these are the kinds of hearts, guys, he made your hearts. He knows how they work. He's not guessing. He's speaking authoritatively. When I was hard-hearted, it, it didn't matter how much gospel people dumped on me because I wasn't going to hear it. You want to know what was going to have to change in order for that gospel to penetrate my heart? My heart. I was going to have to stop being a fool. But guys, for years, I lived with this really, really hard heart where I just didn't care. And that's what this type of heart is. Now, this kind of person, if you have a, a hard-soiled heart, probably not going to be in church very much, right? Probably not going to be here in the assembly. Now, you might be here if you're drug here with family. This was me. I, I was forced to go to church with my family. I didn't want to, didn't care, but that was why I was there, okay? If I wasn't forced to be there, I wouldn't have been there. Probably not going to see this type of heart in church very much, but it, you will see this type of person occasionally, usually because they, have, they either have family or somebody that's pressured them to come but they really don't want to come, right? Secondly, Jesus says that's the first type. Here's the second type of soil. Luke 8, 13, those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. This is the rocky soil, right? This is uh, just somebody that's kind of shallow, in their faith, like they make a commitment to follow God, but as soon as it gets hard, they, they run away, okay? Um, this is somebody that will follow Jesus as long as it's easy, but as soon as they're pushed, as soon as they're held accountable, uh, as soon as they're confronted, uh, as soon as they're just pushed a little bit, are called to obedience a little bit, they run away. So this is, uh, you know, you'll see people make commitments uh, to Jesus. You'll see people get baptized. 
But then as soon as they're hit with some temptation or some situation, they're just gone, right? So will you see this kind of person in church? Yeah, quite a bit. Quite a bit. There's a lot of folks. This is part of why uh, whenever we're working with folks and studying the Bible, guys, we want everybody to count the cost before they make a commitment to follow the Lord. You don't want to get baptized flippantly. You don't want to make a decision uh, to make this change flippantly because Jesus expects you to follow through for the rest of your life. This is a lifelong commitment that you're making when you decide to follow Jesus. But what happens when you don't have the, that mindset that as you're going in, like I'm doing this for life, what happens is it's inevitably going to get hard and you're going to fall away. That's just the way it works. So this, again, you'd probably see this type of person in church, but they would, they would be in and out. They would eventually disappear. But you will see them there. The third soil, Luke 8, 14. Jesus says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And the the phrase right after this is something I really want you to pay attention to. Because it does not say this person falls away from faith completely. It does not say this person disappears and you never see them again. What does it say? It says they do not mature. This is a hard teaching, okay? What I'm about to say is kind of a hard teaching, but it's one that I think is is biblical. Um, There's an expectation of maturing in the teaching of Jesus where if you do not eventually grow up as a disciple, you are living in unfaithfulness. I think I can say that with confidence. If you've been uh, walking with the Lord for a while, but you have never moved past elementary issues that you were struggling with as a new believer, basic stuff, there's something wrong in your walk. There's something seriously wrong that needs to be addressed because there's this expectation of growth uh, when you're walking with Jesus. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an overbearing expectation. I think it's really just simple faithfulness. Like a lot of the stuff Jesus uh, calls us to is not, it's just a matter of discipline and faithfulness. A lot of this stuff. Um, This is the thorny soil. And and guys, the the crazy thing is, this is just a lukewarm heart. Um, The indication here is this person probably will still be at church. It doesn't say they fall away completely. It doesn't say they stop reading their Bible. It doesn't say they stop praying. It just says they don't mature. Why? Because their, their attention is divided. That's it. Like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but I also want to, I want to focus on my career. I also want to focus, you know, I want to hang on to this addiction. I also want to hang on to this habit. I want to hang on to whatever it is. You're hanging on to something. Like you got one hand on Jesus and then you got one hand on something else. And the thing with Jesus, man, either you are all in or you're all out. There's no in between. 
Like if you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start attending church, I'm just going to kind of check it out for a while, you know, investigate it. I'm never going to get that serious about it, though. I've had people say that. Like I had, I had more than one, okay, say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to become like super involved. I'm not going to become one of them Jesus freaks, right? I just kind of want to check things out. Look, when you get in and start looking at what Jesus says, um, I'm all for investigating. Like, I, that's part of how I came to faith is I, I had a group of people who were really patient with me and let me investigate. But eventually, there came a point where I had to make a decision. And when I finally had to make a decision, am I really going to do this or not? Man, when you start looking at what Jesus says, there is no room for half-hearted commitment to him. Seriously, like he makes it real clear in his teaching, if you're not going to be fully committed, it'd be better for you just not to do this to begin with. Either be all in or be all out, but don't be in between. He says in Revelation 3 um, to some half-hearted followers, I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And he's using this metaphor, right, uh, to speak to them. But, but the point is clear. You guys, this church in Laodicea, Jesus is saying, you guys are pretending to be disciples, but you've got one foot in and you've got one foot out. You've got one foot in where you're following me faithfully, but then you've got this other area of your life where I very clearly am making demands on, and, and you're just ignoring me. You're pretending like that part doesn't matter. You can't be half-hearted and, and follow Jesus. You just can't do it. If there's something in your life that God is calling you to give up and you say, I, I don't want to give that up. I'll do this, this, and this, but I'm not going to give that up. Guys, that is the kind of stuff he's talking about here. You can't do that. You've either got to be all in or all out. There's no, no room for lukewarmness. Um, he also, you might notice in the parable when he says the, the crop doesn't mature, there's no production of fruit with the person rep, uh, represented by the thorny soil. This is a person that becomes a Christian, but then they never grow up, right? They stay, they stay babies. Uh, there's no fruit that's produced in that person's life. Fruit is changed character and fruit is influencing others for Jesus. Whenever you think about producing fruit, just think about that. That's an expectation, guys. In John 15, again, not on your notes. Uh, you might just make a note, but John 15, 1 and 2, Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. Do we have that on the screen? Uh, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This is... Uh, this is the expectation here is that we will produce fruit. Like that's what Jesus says. That means your character is going to change and that means you're going to lead other people to Jesus over time. Now for some of you, that's super scary, right? Super scary. Um, but this is what Jesus says. And guys, of the three bad heart types, which 75% of these hearts that Jesus mentions are bad. Does that encourage any of you? All right. Uh, I want to encourage you, so just hold on. Uh, we'll get there. But of the three bad heart types, this thorny soil, this is the type most likely to be represented by people coming to church. Okay? This is the type of soil 
that you sitting in that chair this morning are most likely going to struggle with being. Where you, you have one foot in and one foot out. If Satan can't get you to completely abandon Jesus, he's going to do everything he can to make you completely ineffective for Jesus. And he's going to do it by little whispers and little temptations in the heart where you say, oh, that Bible doesn't really say that. Oh, that's really not that serious. Oh, God will understand. Those are the kinds of things that are, are heart issues. When you start whispering that stuff and internalizing that stuff, that is a heart issue. Guys, that is, that is the battle right there. Is am I going to listen to this voice, either my voice or Satan or whoever, am I going to listen to this other alternate view that is contradicting God's word? Or am I going to listen to God's word? Guys, what is the seed? In the parable, what's the seed? The Word of God. Guys, the seed is the Word of God. Am I going to let the seed of the Word of God penetrate my heart? Or am I going to introduce things that are going to keep me from internalizing what God's Word is saying? You get to decide how many thorns are in your heart. You get to decide. You're not a victim. You don't... You, you, it's not like you're just passive. You get to make the decision. You were created in the image of God. God has given you sovereignty over the little garden of your heart. You get to decide what kind of soil that is, whether it's going to be good soil or bad soil. You get to decide, right? And with this thorny soil, it really just comes down to whether you're going to listen or whether you're going to make up excuses, and again, guys, I'm not saying that judgmentally. I'm saying that as someone who has been all of these soils. Because you can move from one to the other. And if you felt discouraged because 75% of these are bad, and there's only one that's good, because that is the encouraging thing is if you're one of these other types of soils, you do not have to stay that way. And you, don't have, you can change today. And God will help you and God's people will help you. But it really does come down to what you want to do. The last soil is the good soil, and that's Luke 8.15. But the seed that uh, on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, number one. Number two, retain it. And number three, by persevering it, produce a crop. Okay? They hear the word, they retain it, and they pr produce a crop. This is good soil. This is a good heart. This is someone who hears, retains, and obeys. And the result of their hearing, retaining, and obeying is a multiplication of good in the world. Do you notice that? There's a multiplication of good in the world. Um, hear, it means they listen to God's word. Retain, that means they remember God's word. They persevere, that means they obey God's word. Okay? How many of you guys hear God's word? You like reading the Bible, okay? How many of you remember the stuff you look at? Okay, like two of you. Awesome. Uh, the rest of you forgot what I was asking. Um, retain it. You think about it. You meditate on it. Persevering means you obey it. it. means you actually do what it says. That's the point of all this, by the way. 
The point is the, the obedience. It's getting to the faithfulness part, right? That's where your life actually starts to change when you start obeying God and doing what God says. This is what good soil is. It's, it's simply somebody that, it's simple obedience. Like, by the, guys, anytime Jesus gives a teaching, there's always a call to simple obedience. Just super simple. Like, just kind of do what God says. That's, that's a big part of the point of his teaching most of the time. This is another one of those. He's like, hey, just, you want to be good soil? Just take God's word, listen to what it says, and then do what it says. Is that complicated? Is that complicated? Why is it so hard to be faithful? Because it is, right? Otherwise, all of us would be nailing this. I'm my biggest enemy to this. Seriously, like I am my biggest enemy. And it's when I try to be God in place of God that I get myself into trouble. When I start thinking that I know better. Um, guys, 75% of the hearts in these parables, are, in this parable are bad hearts. If I'm not in a good place, if I'm not in a good place right now today, if I'm one of the, if I suspect I may be one of these other types of soils and I want to become good soil, what do I need to do to get there? Uh, in the book of Luke, Jesus shares the parable of the sower, and then right after the parable of the sower, he shares another little teaching uh, that ties right back into what he just said. And that's what we're going to look at next to answer this question. How do I become good soil for the kingdom of God? Well, number one, Jesus tells us in the same section of scripture, number one, I must remember my purpose is to influence the world for Jesus. My purpose in life is to influence the world for Jesus. Jesus tells the parable of the sower, and then he says this in verse 16. He says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Now, he says this in relation to this parable that he's just shared. Who in here has ever lit a lamp or, or lit a lamp? Turn the lamp on. We don't, we don't use fire as much anymore, right? Uh, Turn the lamp on and then went and threw a towel over it. Okay, Brett, you're weird. Uh, <laughs> nobody does that. Like, what's the purpose? Of, like, you don't turn your light on in your room and then go, like, tape blankets to the ceiling to cover it up. Does anybody do that? That's kind of crazy. That defeats the purpose of the light. Like, the purpose of the light is to shine and to give light. Jesus says, you are light. You are light. What's your purpose? To shine your light, right? Which is, practically speaking, it's, if you know something about Jesus, or you know something about how Jesus says the world works, or you know something about what Jesus says is true, when you share that, it's like you're shining a light in the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? I am the light. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you share Jesus, either a truth about him or a fact about him or something persuasive that he said, when you share anything about him, you are sharing light. You are sharing life. You are pointing people to the source of everything good. You are being a light in the world. Jesus says your purpose as kingdom people is to be a light in the world. He says that you are like ambassadors for the king. 
When you enter my kingdom, when you join my royal army, you are my ambassador in the world. When you go and speak in my name, you speak with my authority. When you tell people about me, you speak with my authority and my truth. You are being a light in the world. And he says, this is your purpose. Do you think of this as your purpose? Do you think of this as your purpose? Jesus challenges you to do that. You want to know what the purpose of life is? It's to bring goodness into the world as best you can. And the only way for us to do that is to hitch ourselves to the source of it and to point everybody to the source of it. And Jesus says that is the purpose of life. It's to share his light. I've got to remember, if I want to be good soil, that that's my purpose. It's not about me, right? Secondly, I've got to remember that it's pointless to fake faithfulness. It is pointless to fake faithfulness. He says in verse 17, there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Um, he speaks of judgment here, right? Uh, this is an uncomfortable topic, but it, it should be something that we're used to talking about and it really should be comfortable for us. It should be something that we think about a lot. He's referring here to the end. Guys, when you die, the Bible teaches you're going to stand before God and give an account of your life. You're going to stand before the Lord of the universe and have to give an account for how you spent the moments that he gave you here. And what Jesus is, is wanting us to think through is, because there is not a hidden motive that is going to stay that way. If, if my whole religion or faith has been uh, going through the motions to make it appear that I believe a certain thing or make it appear that I'm a good person, but on the inside I'm still full of hatred and bitterness and anger, if I'm still treating my family horribly at home, but I hide it and try to look good at church, uh, if there's stuff like that that's going on, God sees all that. It does no good to fake it. It does no good to be a religious person. Guys, the, the people that aggravated Jesus the absolute most in his life were the religious guys who would stand on the street corners and hold their hands up because they wanted everybody to look at them and say, oh, what a good man that is. When they, inside, they were full of hatred and anger and they treated people bad and they were mean to people. Jesus got bent out of shape with those guys more than anybody else. And they were the guys who knew the Bible better than anybody else. They were the guys who were the most likely, they were the ones people would point at and say, that's the really religious person over there. Jesus was not impressed by religious people. He was impressed by people whose hearts were in submission to the God. In a real way. Not faking it, not just trying to look good, but in a real way. And it does no good to fake it. If you fake it, you are putting yourself into a category of human that is on Jesus' enemy list. Because what's happening when you fake it? Let me ask you another question. Have any of you not wanted to come to church because you thought the church was full of hypocrites? I'm raising two hands on that. You want to know what kept me out of church for the longest time when I was a kid? My, I told you, my family drug me to church. They made me go. 
Okay, I was going out and getting drunk and smoking weed and doing all that stuff and, and not, uh, you know, as a teen, not apologizing for it, not intending to change. But when my mom and dad would drag me to church and I would be forced to go to that Bible class where I would see a lot of the same people that I saw at a party the night before, doing keg stands and sleeping around, getting up and teaching the class, or getting up and pretending like they weren't living this way, that just was a huge turnoff for me. And it made me think every church was like that. Every church is full of people that are just faking it. And when I was at my lowest, I wasn't looking for anything fake when I finally got ready to try to seek God myself. But that was a barrier for me. And guys, that was my own issue. But I say that because I talk with enough people that are investigating God, uh, that are looking into churches. This is one of the big barriers to people coming to faith, is just this idea that the church is just full of hypocrites. When you act like a hypocrite, you are undercutting your credibility and you are also feeding into this generalization that the church is just full of hypocrites. You're not helping, you're hurting when you act this way. You're not being a light in the world, you're continuing to perpetuate darkness. You're obscuring the light because you're making people think what we're doing in here is fake. Don't fake it. When you become a, dis a disciple of Jesus, you're putting a target on your back. For those of you that are coming to faith later in life, when you become a disciple of Jesus and make that declaration, all the people that have known you, that know how you talk, they know how you think, they know what your values are, they know what you're into, guess what they're going to start doing? They're going to start looking at you. And they're going to say, is this for real or is this fake? And some of them may be struggling with whether they want a relationship with God or not. Guys, if, if people are serious about seeking God and they see somebody else in their life, in their circle of influence that radically changes in a positive way as they start to seek God, guess what they're going to want to do? They're going to want to come talk to you about what you found because you're being a light in the world. But if you're a hypocrite, if you're faking it, if you really deep down, if your motive is you just want to look good, you want pats on the back. You want people to tell you what a righteous person you are, right? If it's just about looking good, guys, people are going to see right through that. They're already suspicious because there's so much hypocrisy out there. All you got to do is turn on the TV and listen to what some of these big-haired preachers are saying, right? It's fake. So much of it is fake. Don't be fake. People are looking for it. And it's pointless. Guys, Ecclesiastes 12, 14, not uh, on your notes, but it says, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. That includes your thoughts and your motives. So just remember, we can't hide from God. It does no good to fake it. Lastly, and this is most simple, guys. Jesus' teaching is so simple. But if I want to be good soil, number three, I must remember to listen and obey. It really does just come down to that. I need to listen to Jesus, and I need to obey Jesus. He says <clears throat> in verse 8, 18, therefore consider carefully how you listen. 
Okay, I want to pause on that. This is connected to his teaching in the parable of the soils that we just went through. The word therefore, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, like if you're reading a section of scripture, you read three or four paragraphs, and then you get down and it says therefore, and then there's a punchline. The word therefore in the original language is an indicator that he is about to sum up everything that he said up to this point, okay? So in this context, in the parable of the sower, He's going to share the story about the four soils. He's going to share the application. Then we're going to get to the therefore. Now he's going to sum up everything that he said up to this point. Here's the punchline. He says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. If you want to know how to properly apply the parable of the soils, Jesus says, consider carefully how you listen. You want to be a good soil? You want to be good soil instead of thorny soil, rocky soil, or, or hard soil? You need to consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Isn't that an interesting thing? Now, he says that. You want to know how many times he says that in Luke? I don't know, but it's quite a few, okay? That phrase, whoever has will be given more. Um, what he says here is if you want to faithfully apply this teaching, if you want to be good soil, you need to think about the things that I'm saying and how you're applying them. You need to consider carefully how you're listening. You need to think about what I'm saying. You need to think about whether you're doing it or not. And if you're not doing it, you need to do it. That's, that's very simple, right? Not hard to understand. Then he says... Whoever has will be given more. What does that mean? Well, in this context, uh, he says this phrase in, in terms of uh, faithfulness sometimes. Like if you are faithful, you're going to be given more opportunities to be faithful. He says it sometimes... Um, he says it to apply to several different things. He says it to apply to like the fruit in the parable of the talents... Um, it seems to me like he's saying, if you are faithful, you're going to have more opportunities to be faithful. If you're taking advantage of the opportunities to be a light in the world, I'm going to give you more opportunities to be a light in the world. If you're being a blessing to people, if you're leading people to me, if you're sharing my teaching, I'm going to give you more opportunities to be a blessing to people, to share me with people. It's almost like, well, just what it says about the good soil, the, the soil that multiplies 30, 60, 100 times, right? God is the one that's active in that. I believe in divine encounters and divine appointments. Guys, we've had some growth here at the crossings. You want to know uh, if this parable is true, why we are experiencing growth here in our church? It's because you guys are being faithful. The reason that God is giving you opportunity to influence that person that you love, it's because you're being faithful, right? That seems to be what he's indicating here. Whoever has will be given more. But then he says, whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Okay, again, in this context... It's being a light in the world. It's sharing the word of God. It's being a faithful, good soil. There are people that I have spoken with 
who have said they do not want to follow Jesus simply because they don't want to have this expectation that they need to share with anybody else on them. Because they, they, they like the moral teaching, but they don't like the, the fact that um, I'm supposed to share this. I don't like that. Uh, whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Guys, it, it seems like if you're just squandering opportunities either to do good for yourself or for somebody else, it seems like if you just squander those opportunities, those God-given opportunities, those opportunities can be taken away. Even what they think they have will be taken from them. And I don't know, guys. This is one of those sayings that sometimes, sometimes Jesus says stuff I think just because he wants us to really struggle with it and think about it. That, that phrase, whoever has will be given more, whoever does not have. Maybe some of you guys can help me think through this. As you're reading through the gospel, see where that phrase shows up. Um, it's an interesting one. But I really do think, guys, God, whenever we start to give to him, man, he gives back, doesn't he? And he doesn't give back in, in equal measure. He gives back way more. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap today. Uh, we're going to be spending the next several weeks in the parables. We're going to be mining out these themes about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven? The royal reign of God. Guys, what the Bible teaches and what God wants you to know is as you give God control and as you give Jesus control, he's going to help you have the very best life that you can have. If you're here today and you are looking for a better life, if you're looking for connection to God, if you're trying to figure out whether the Bible is something that can be trusted or if God is real, like I don't care if you're here today and you believe the stuff we believe about God or if you're just checking it out and you want to get some questions answered, we're really glad you're here. And I want you to know you're in a safe place where nobody's going to look down on you if you believe something different or if you're struggling with something. But people are going to try to be your friend and people are going to try to get to know you and people are going to try to help you connect with God uh, because we truly do believe that is the best life you can have, that John 10.10 life. Jesus said, I have come that they can have life and have it to the fullest. The thief... He just comes to steal and kill and destroy. But man, Jesus is here to give us a good life. I believe firmly that the best life possible is wrapped up in how close you are to him. And so if there's anything we can do today to help you get to know Jesus, to help you get to know the king, we would love to help you do that. If you want to uh, talk to somebody about your relationship with God, we've got some... Um, uh, cardstock pieces of paper in your bulletin. It's called a communication card. I would like to invite everybody to pull that out. Uh, and please just give us an indication that you were here today. If you'd like to talk with some about, someone about your relationship with God, indicate on that card that you'd like a personal Bible study, and we'll get a couple of our folks to come and talk with you. And all that is, guys, is just opening up the Bible and saying, what's that say? What do you think about that? How do we do that? Uh, and so you get to know the people, you get to be friends. Uh, if you need help with something specific, uh, if you've got a specific issue, 
If you are uh, struggling with uh, something related to trauma or abuse or grief, or if you've got a marital struggle or financial struggle or anything like that, if you want help with any of that stuff, we have resources here at the church. Guys, we've got counseling resources. We've got support groups. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of different things that we do to help people with specific things and specific crisis situations sometimes. So just let us know if there's something like that that you need help with. Uh, other than that, guys, please plug in. If, if you're visiting today, Man, don't just take off real quick after church. Go have lunch with somebody. Get to know somebody. Make a friend. If you're a teen, come to Cross Chat during the week. If you're a college student, check out the, the campus Cross Chat. Uh, check out the bulletin in the back of it and all the stuff we have coming up. You can also check out our website at crossingscollinsville.com. It's got all of our sermons on there and a lot of the events and stuff that are coming up. So we really do want you to get connected, guys, because God works through relationship. He works through people. Uh, none of us were meant to do this thing on our own. Like when God calls us to follow him, guys, you understand it's never just you and God. It's always in the context of, of you and God's family. It's you and God's people. You will not be alone in this, in this fight to, to honor God with your life. So just know that. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song. During that song, uh, that, that'll give you time to fill that card out. And then we'll sing one more song after that, and we will pass some baskets, and you can drop your card in that basket, okay? Uh, if you're visiting today, um, please don't feel obligated to give financially. We, we really just want to bless you. We're not asking you for anything. Um, not because our money's better than you or anything. It's just, you know, it's just kind of an expectation for members. We really do just want to bless you, though. So don't feel obligated to give. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we will close out our service. Uh, God, thank you again for the parables. God, it is such a blessing to get to, to study your word and to teach it. Uh, I feel privileged to get to talk through uh, some of that stuff today. Uh, God, help us to understand your word uh, so we can apply it faithfully. If I said anything this morning that was confusing or off base, just strike it from our hearts and just help us to take the good stuff and apply it to our lives. Uh, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you so much for your grace, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.